Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. In this episode, I talk to a woman who, having come to terms with her own differences, is trying to help younger people with theirs. I actually had a conversation with someone about this a while ago and I thought it was really interesting. So when you're in primary school, you don't think you're, well, you, you know you're a bit different, but you don't see it as much as everyone else sees it. And it's like everyone else knows that you're autistic before you even know, like everyone knew. Do you know that kind of way? And that's it, like, there's loads of us out here. I think that's the kind of thing, you feel on your own, you don't know, but then when you know, you're like, oh, there's actually so many people like me. So it's about not feeling alone, I think, as well, because a lot of people do who feel different. So I think it's very important for kids as well, because, yeah, kids need to, um, like, I don't know, I just I just hate, like, seeing kids, like, where they're, like, being left on their own and all. Like, I, I just, I want them to know that there's someone out there like them and it's not all bad. That was the voice of Aoife Dooley there, an award-winning illustrator, author and comedian. She's also a graphic designer and public speaker, a woman of many talents. Aoife is well known for her Year One Nikita series, which follows the life of a 22-year-old woman and her friends from Kulak. She published two books with Gil based on Nikita in 2016 and 2017, How to Be Massive and How to Deal with Poxes. We had her on the podcast back then. And in 2018, Your One Nikita came to screens in an animated TV series for the RTE player, animated and produced by Digital Beast. In 2018, when she was 27, Aoife was diagnosed as autistic. She said she never had friends growing up and always thought there was something wrong with her. And then years later, she found out that she was actually autistic. I had a very entertaining chat with her about growing up in Dublin, coming to terms with the unique aspects of herself and about using her art to promote positive messages, especially for young people who experience the kind of things that she did growing up. And I also spoke to her about her new book, Finding My Voice, Frankie's World 2, which is a fantastic graphic novel that tells the story of a young girl who feels a little different to everyone else and is navigating her way through the world, which isn't too far away from her own story. I began by asking Aoife Dooley to tell us a bit about herself. And I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from her. So I'm an illustrator mainly and I write and illustrate books. And this is my sixth book and it's basically about a little girl who feels a bit different to everyone else in her class. And how I got there was, I suppose, getting my own diagnosis a couple of years ago, writing this book and just writing about my own experiences. So the last time I actually would have been on with you, I had no idea that I was autistic. I had some idea that like uh, there was something, but I had no idea what it was. And I think we kind of talked a bit about something like that like as well. So it's been a couple of years, but like I think that that information kind of informed my artwork more, my writing more, and just kind of just figuring out who I am and understanding myself more as well. So I think that's kind of a very 
short snippet I think of the last few years keeping it as short as possible because I talk too much Your adult diagnosis is really interesting because I think a lot of people listening will either have experienced something like that themselves or know people it's it's becoming something that we're talking about more and people are realising more about aspects of themselves that have a reason for them behind them so what, why did you go to get the uh, diagnosis in the first place like what happened in your life? Well to be honest with you I just I'd always struggled with like social stuff, like talking to people, like and a lot of people be like, really, when they they meet me, like because I am very outgoing, but uh, I really do struggle with those kind of things, and it takes a lot of effort for me to kind of almost put on a front if I'm going out to a party or if I'm talking to people, it takes it out of me. I really struggled with school and stuff as well. Obviously, that didn't affect me so much as an adult, but I remember the bullying from school would have, you know, that kind of way. But um, I was very like. I wasn't really good at maths. I wasn't very good at like most subjects. I was only really good at art. That was like my main focus. But um, as I got older, I kind of just realised how much more different I was to a lot of people around me. And that kind of just, I never knew why. And for me, it was actually a friend who turned around to me and said, you know, we're very similar. I think that you're on the spectrum. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I think you're autistic. And I was like, what are you talking about? I think I'd know. I'm 27 years old now. Like, come on, like. But apparently that's a really common thing and a lot of women don't find out until they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s because um, even going as far back to the early 2000s, like well, that's when I would have been in, in primary school, they um, they didn't think that like girls and women could be on the spectrum. So it's only like really people, a lot of people are finding out now. So it seems like there's a lot of people being diagnosed, but it's actually just people kind of getting the services and information that they needed a long time ago. But um I think for me as well, it was, I, I had a lot of anxiety and didn't really understand my feelings. And I think for me, it was just a huge thing to find out. And it really helped me kind of navigate a bit more, <laughs> a bit better because uh, I felt like I was a bit lost, to be honest. And um, it really helped. But I think the relief that came from it was was definitely like, it was just... I can't describe it. Like, it was just amazing. And what sort of things started to make sense to you, Aoife, about yourself? That I can be too much for a lot of people sometimes. Uh, you know, most people probably would only like to spend 20 minutes in a room with me. Uh, I'm very full on and that's OK. You know, I'm not for everybody. But uh, that's, I think, now that I understand why I talk so much or why I talk about something that I'm really interested in so much, it makes more sense to me and other people as well, I think. But uh, I think... Um, yeah, for me, it was just kind of, I think finding out and uh, just kind of getting that information was just, it was just nice to, to finally know what it was because there were so many little things really, like I couldn't pinpoint them all now. I'm just trying to think, um, I used just even down to like how I slept, like I used to have like really bad night terrors, like I used to wake up in, in the middle of the night screaming, like my mom used to hate it, she did, she used to be terrified because I used to sleepwalk really bad, so there was like, a lot of that stuff as well, it kind of made sense because I was worried about a lot of things, didn't understand what was going on. Um, would have got bullied quite a bit as well in school and outside of school. So there was like loads of things like that that like never really made sense to me or why I was singled out. And I actually had a conversation with someone about this a while ago and I thought it was really interesting. So when you're in primary school, you don't think you're... Well, you, you know you're a bit different, but you don't see it as much as everyone else sees it. And it's like everyone else knows that you're autistic before you even know, like, everyone knew. Do you know that kind of way? So I was the last to know. 
And um, it's interesting about autism because we are, as I said, we're talking about it more. And it is such a spectrum because on the one end, you've got, you know, children who are nonverbal, who are really severely curtailed by it, who can't function in the world. And then you have people like someone in my own life who found out in their late 50s, a woman as well, who were highly functioning in lots of ways and going along having outwardly very successful lives and yet still find out that they're autistic. So it's it's a it's an incredibly complex thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it's so vast as well. Like, everyone on the spectrum is completely different. Like, so it's like, there's a common saying that like, you meet one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum because everyone is so different. And uh, yeah, it affects people in different ways as well. Like, so a lot of traits would cross over and then some people would have, like, different traits. Like, I'd be able to... For example, the only time I really feel uncomfortable looking at someone in the eye is if I don't really know them that well or if I don't trust them or I'm kind of a bit like, oh, who are you? I don't know about you. Like, I get a bit kind of, it's very obvious. But if I know you, I'm grand, so it's not so obvious. But I'd be very uh, sensitive to light and stuff like that as well. And I think that kind of, that's that's a big thing for a lot of people on spectrum, light or sound. Like, if I go to a gig, I'll get like a really bad migraine and stuff like that. And it's just too much. So um, even these headphones you see me wearing, sometimes I walk around the house with these, like they're on, but they're not on. And it just kind of blocks out extra noise. And it's great, like, because it kind of just make, makes me able to be able to focus, like, you know, because if there's too much going on, I'm very easy distracted as well, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, um, was there a reason particularly that you decided to speak out about your autism and share it with people? Or is that just because that's kind of how you live your life and, and it bleeds into your work so much as well, I suppose? I think so. And it was something that like, I just, I, I didn't see why I wouldn't talk about it. It was, for me, it wasn't something to be ashamed of. It wasn't something to be embarrassed of. It was just who I am. Like, just, you know, that's who I have been. I was born this way. So it's kind of, do you know that way? I didn't think it was a, for me, it wasn't a big deal. But for other people, it is, you know, it's very different. You know, it's a very personal thing too. Like, you know, I know a lot of people who wouldn't tell people like, and or they'd be embarrassed. But sure, in, in a way, like, it's kind of, I don't know, like I can understand like, you you know, feeling like you you, want, you don't want to be judged by certain people. Like I, I totally get that because there are a lot of views around autism that are kind of very backwards as well. Like, so I can kind of understand, you know what I mean? But um, I think, yeah, it, it's it's very different though. It, it's I didn't even really know much about it at all until I found out myself. So when I, I met loads of different people as well and each person I've met like over the last couple of years, whether I'm working... Uh, with a group of writers, whether I'm working with someone on a podcast, every single person I've met has been completely different. Like it's, yeah, it's it's amazing really. Like You I, mentioned I, people have had different ideas of it. What what would you say are the common misperceptions? What have you come across the assumptions people have made once you've said you're autistic? I met someone on TV before. They were going on a show as a guest and uh, they were convinced that their kids uh, basically got autism or caught autism from vaccines. And that was very frustrating because I, I know that's that's not true. Um, it's being debunked that the doctor who actually started coming out with all that stuff is literally like not a doctor anymore. He's being discredited. But a lot of people still hang on to that kind of, um, you know, oh no, they cause autism. And I was kind of like, and I just remember she was there sitting beside her husband and her husband was sitting there saying nothing. And I was thinking to myself, your kids didn't get autism from vaccines. They got autism from your husband. Like, he's clearly autistic, I was thinking in my head, because I can see it in people as well. I'm like, yeah, Yo, you're like me, I can just tell. So it's funny. It's like, I think a lot of people, they want to believe 
a certain thing because it makes them feel I don't know it, it's like it makes them feel like they had no control over this happening it just was I don't know it's very strange other things are that like um, you're you're not very intelligent or you're you're a bit stupid like I think that's a very common one as well I've had definitely had people talk slow to me where I've had to kind of be like um, come on uh, speed it up <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, come on I'm, I'm able for this now but uh, there's been stuff like that I think but overall I think I haven't come across anyone who said it to upset me or anything like that now, but I think it's just common misconceptions or things that people aren't aware of. But like I'm learning as I go as well. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about autism that I'm learning too. I'm just going to read out a definition here for anyone who maybe isn't as familiar. Autism Spectrum Disorder, ASD, is a developmental disability caused by differences in the brain. People with ASD often have problems with social communication and interaction and restricted or repetitive behaviours or interests. People with ASD may also have different ways of learning, moving or paying attention. So that all resonates with you, I imagine. Oh yeah, everything there. Even like the, the repeating things, like I, I definitely would do that, go around repeating stuff around my house and just listen to the same music or playing the same games. Like I, I think it was, I seen, it was actually gas. I seen a, a little clip on TikTok of... Um, your man from, is it Talking Heads? Is it David Byrne? He's autistic. And I think I've seen an interview with him and he eats the same pizza every day for lunch at the same time. And I was like, that's literally what I do. I eat the same kind of pizza every day for lunch at the same time. And what he said was very interesting. It's like, it's like so he doesn't have to worry about what he's going to eat. That's just like one thing. He, he can just like, you know, right, I'm eating this pizza. That's it. It's in the oven. And then basically he has more time to focus on his creativity. And I'm like that as well because... I'm terrible with cooking. I, I forget to cook. I forget to eat. Like, I forget to kind of look after myself in that way. So that's another part of it as well. Like, where um, we can get very uh, tied into what we're doing. If I have to ask you, what is the pizza that you eat every day? I make my own pizza, but like not from scratch. The dough isn't from scratch. I get like little flatbreads and I put like a sauce from a can, like, like a tomato sauce. And then sometimes if I have like no cheese, I'll just make one of those. Is it called a Mariana pizza? Marinara, I'll just put yeah. like Mariana, yeah. And I'll just put like, you know, a bit of garlic and uh, some uh, spices and then some like herbs and stuff on it. But um, usually it's just a cheese pizza or else I'll put peppers on it or I'll put mushrooms on it. It really depends on what humour I'm in. But uh, usually, usually kind of plainish, yeah. <laughs> that must have been mad when you saw David Byrne saying that. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's gas because like, as I, I, I could relate. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of those things for people as well, and they find out they're like, I do that, and you think it's so normal to you, but like a lot of people do it as well who are on the spectrum. That's why when I'm talking to anyone, and they're like, ah, oh, sure, I do that, and I was like, yeah, but that's not like a normal thing that everybody does, and they just think it is because it's like literally like it's all they know. So it's funny, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, that's just mad. That's like bizarre. What about routine and stuff? You know, and and does it affect you in that way that you need to know what's happening or that you like to have the same things happening all the time? Yes and no. So I get very stuck into my work. So my routine kind of like goes out the door a bit when I'm working on like an illustration or like a graphic novel. It it really just kind of like I could end up working for like 12 hours straight and not realise. So there's no kind of like, you know, I'm stopping to have my lunch. I'm stopping to, I haven't stopped at all. I've forgotten to go to the bathroom, cut it almost like, you know, that way. So I think that like, I have routines with certain things, but like for the most part, no, like I'm kind of very loose, like, which I think uh, does stress me out with certain things. As I said, like I'm only kind of like figuring out things as I go along. I never uh, grew up with a steady routine. So I'm kind of only learning certain things now as an adult. Um, like a dishwasher, we talked about this the last time, the dishwasher, it, it, I, I said I didn't use it. And I didn't use it because I was living with my nana who didn't like using our dishwasher. 
And I was like, oh no, wash the di- dishes in the sink. Have I used my sink once since I moved in here? No, no, I used the dishwasher. So it's like I'm kind of even figuring out all these things as well, like that, like, I didn't know about. Aoife, you've also said, um, still to this day, having and maintaining friends is a mystery to me. It's like reading a can of foreign Fanta on holidays. I haven't a clue what the thing says. I don't understand how friendship works. Tell us about that. I don't. I don't. Like, it's lately, I don't know. I, I just feel like I put my foot in it at the wrong time. Or I'll say something really weird and like people be just like kind of looking at going like, what? Like, who are you kind of thing? I just get that vibe a lot. Um, but in, in in the years, I think since, I don't know when I, when that I wrote that now, but in the years since, I think I actually have like made a great group of friends. Like, it's funny because uh, my best friend lives upstairs. It's like literally friends, like the, the TV show, like she lives upstairs. I have another friend who lives downstairs and um, there's it's a very small building so it's like literally it's it's very nice like just a f- the few of us in here and then it just seems it's like friends that I had from years ago who were always there and we kind of came back into each other's lives I think over the last couple of years and that's been really nice and it's like I've done just learning how to be a friend for the first time which is really nice because I never had that in my life I never had someone that I could like call up and go hey you know I'm having a bad day. Uh, can I have a cup of tea with you? Like, I never even had that. Like, so it's kind of even just for those things and just to hear about their day and all, like, it's nice, like. And Aoife, those friends, they obviously understand and accept you for who you are. And I suppose that's important. They they get you, for want of a better phrase. Oh, yeah, they definitely get me. They definitely get me. And uh, I think that's nice as well because they kind of know all my little quirks, all the things I do and why I do certain things and yeah, it, and it, it's been very funny though as well, like because they just like even with um my friend living upstairs, she was living upstairs with her brother before her um partner moved in, and basically yeah, we were we were laughing because uh, one day I ran up when her brother was there, and I thought she was gonna be there, and I get this message on my phone. She's uh, uh, now I'm got very I've got very good at this for anyone who's gonna try this. I just want to say I've got very good at this, but I got this message on my phone, and it was from someone, and I was like a game developer. And I knew him because I'd done an event with his wife, but I didn't realise it was a scam, did I? So he's there messaging me going, oh, I'd love to work with you. And I was like, oh my God, this dude just messaged me saying he wants to work with me on games. This is amazing. So I'm very gullible. So I ran upstairs, knocked me in there. You're never going to guess what? You're never going to guess what? And they're like, Aoife, let me read the message. And I showed them the message. But in the meantime, your man had started messaging me about crypto stuff. I had no idea. And they were like, that's a scam now. That's... Even just to have friends who will tell you, like, like don't do that. That's stupid. I never had that before. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, for even for those things, it's very nice because they'll just, like, go, oh, that, that's just typical, you know, like, where you'd look at something and be like, oh, my God, and, like, not read it properly. Like, so even for that, like, it's like they know, like, everything, like, all the things I do. So it's kind of, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be understood, I think, even though they're not on the spectrum. It's nice to be understood by people who aren't as well, who are, like, my friends. So it's like, yeah, it's nice. You've been on such a journey over the last, since since 2018 when you were diagnosed because you've been sort of reassessing your life in a way and looking back and realising certain things you did or ways that you've been is to do with your autism. It must be kind of fascinating and surprising and funny, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, it is. It's it's unusual, but it makes, it makes a lot of sense about everything, I think. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Let's talk about Frankie's world because um as we said, it's a graphic novel and it's about a young girl who feels a little different but isn't quite sure why. So tell us more about Frankie. So Frankie's kind of loosely based on me. So in the first book, basically, she, well, but I've given any spoiler. Well, I suppose it's, it's based on my own life, so it's, it is a spoiler, I suppose. But um, so she basically doesn't know why she's different in the first book and she's trying to kind of figure out why she's convinced she's an alien. She just doesn't understand why she's not like anyone else and no one else is like her. And she starts to think, oh, you know, maybe her dad is an alien too. Like, so she wanted to go like and try and find him because she'd never met him before, which is kind of similar, I suppose, to my own kind of story as well. So it's kind of, there's a lot in the book that is based on my own stuff, like in the first and second book. But um, in the first book, she basically finds out she's autistic and she kind of, you know, is like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. So in the second book, then she's basically going into secondary school and that's really scary because she knows that she's autistic and she's thinking, oh, well, what was everyone else going to think of this? And she hears two boys in the hall basically slagging another student, saying, oh, he is, he's weird, he's got autism. So she obviously panics and she's like, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm weird. I only have to start in here. Nobody knows me kind of thing. And she's not in any of the same classes as her friend Sam or anything like that. So it's a tough start, I think. But like the story is basically just, it's shown that like, I suppose... That like, yeah, it is hard to kind of start in new places and new things, especially when you're on the spectrum. But it's even harder to be yourself sometimes when you're like starting somewhere like, you know, in secondary school, especially because everyone wants to fit in. So it's very much about her finding her voice, finding out who she is and kind of making friends and good friends. Like that's a big thing in my books, I think, as well. Because I I just I've went through so many friends over the years when I was like a kid like like just it, like where they just kind of got fed up with me and stuff. That's a big message I put in my books now for kids, especially on the spectrum, that it's okay to be you and always be you because that's the best version that you can be yourself. And then I explain what a friend actually is then because I didn't know for years what a friend was. So I think that like it's very much about friendship and finding out who you are and actually kind of going no actually this is a good thing I'm really happy with who I am. I wouldn't change who I am. And that's how I kind of feel about myself. So I kind of just wanted to portray that in a younger character for a younger audience because I think it's harder for kids to kind of internalise those feelings. They want uh, they want to not care about what anyone thinks, but they very much do care. And it's hard not to like, so I think that's, yeah. People will recognise your illustrations. They're very unique. They're very playful. And they'll know of your one, Nikita, who is the amazing Dublin character that you created. Um, so just to remind us how you ended up on, on that kind of path, um, how much art or creativity was a part of your life growing up. Tell us about your beginnings. OK, so, yeah, like I always was interested in art, even when I was 
even when I was able to like like pick up pencils, I think, oh, that's when I would have started. And it would have been like, I think early primary school, I, I had a, a speech impediment. I wasn't very great at like, you know, um, talking. Like I, I, there was a few words I couldn't say. Um, I couldn't actually describe how I was feeling. And it was very hard to kind of communicate with anyone. So what I did was I used to draw pictures of things to communicate. So if I uh, was feeling happy, it'd be like a heart or, you know, that kind of, I'd draw things to kind of communicate how I was feeling because I didn't understand how to communicate that through words. And I think that's where the art came from because it was a medium for me to communicate. And I think that's what I've always used it for, which is interesting because even when I didn't know that I was autistic, it was always kind of there as a thing, as a means to communicate, as a means to understand people or to understand the world. And it's interesting because it, it also, someone said to me as well when um, I found out, they were saying that, uh, you know, that like uh, drawn is a form of stimming. And I was like, no. And for anyone who doesn't know what stimming is, it's basically, if you ever see um, an autistic person like like wave their hands or flap their hands, it's kind of like just basically a self-regulating, kind of like soothing um people dance and do it I, I do that as well like I, I like dancing now like but like when there's no one else in the house and the builders aren't watching across the road <laughs> do people like jig their legs as well things like that uh-huh yeah jigging your legs um biting your nails like just like biting my nails is like a big one for me like and I do it when I'm watching tv a lot of people think that's an anxiety thing as well but it's actually just a comfort thing and uh, jigging your legs is a big one as well because yeah I used to do that a lot and uh my mom would be like when we're watching TV. She'd be like, "Can you stop doing that? It's driving me mad. It's driving me mad. I can't. I can't see the TV. I can just see your leg going boom, 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 boom." So that's another one as well. Like, how did you oh, feel yeah. when your mum would say that? Because I'm just thinking about my partner. He jigs his leg a lot. Drives me insane. But I should probably not be telling him to stop. Sometimes I put my hand on his leg to stop it. Is that very bad? Yeah. So, but she she done it a lot with a lot of things. But she didn't know that uh, that that's probably you know part of me stimming. She had no idea. But yeah, I think but you that's didn't where even I ended know. Up. You didn't know no, you were stimming. No, no, nobody, nobody knew. I didn't even know, but I just knew that made me feel good. But um, that's why I started biting my nails because it wasn't a thing that was uh, that would annoy people, but it was a like, kind of a repet- repetitive enough that like it would suit me. Then I think uh, because yeah, there was a lot of things like that. Like I used to walk funny, and it's gas because it's, you know what's gas though. I used to walk funny because some people on the spectrum have a, I think it's called a gay. Now, I'm not saying that I had one, but I, I did have a bit of a funny walk. And my mum used to be like, would you stop walking like that? People are going to think there's something wrong with you. And here I am all these years later, and I'm like, there is, there, there was. was something there wrong was. with me. Oh, <laughs> guys, but she just literally was like, oh, you're putting that on. Like, you know, you're, you're messing now. You're messing. But and I just I just think they thought I was a bit eccentric, like. Yeah. And they did know I struggled. They did try to find out what was going on, but they thought that I might have had ADHD. And as soon as that was like, you know, oh no, she hasn't got that. They hadn't got a clue what it was. And they were like, ah, you know, like it, it, it does is what it is. Like what else could it be? I've no idea. So, But going back yeah, to you, to growing up, like your family and um, where you grew up and your mom, obviously is a big part of your life. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I grew up in Coolock uh, with my mum, uh, stepdad and sister. So yeah, it was just the four of us. Small, small house, like, like just the four of us. So, and yeah, it was kind of, it was funny because... Um, it was we the state that I grew up in. I didn't really have many friends growing up there now, to be honest with you, because I just think I was into like rock music and stuff like that, and there was no one really there who did. So I had to kind of go outside my state to to make friends, and then that was kind of yeah, 
it was um, nice. Uh, I'd, I'd say it was kind of. I'm trying to think now because I'm going back now. There's so there's so much, but um, I think that like yeah, the, the area I grew up in, I, I liked. But I definitely stood out like a sore thumb. But that was my own fault. Was that even where how you dressed and stuff, Aoife? Yeah, yeah, it was how I dressed. And I was different all across the board, I think. But I just, did, yeah, obviously, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was wearing um, Slipknot hoodies when I was in primary school. Like metal, like actual metal hoodies in primary school. Because I loved it. And uh, I had no one who introduced me to that kind of music except for my mum. So, like, my mum loved ska and reggae. Not metal now, but ska and reggae. So I would have got into like punk, I suppose, that way through the ska then. And uh, so she would have introduced me to music and then like ska, like madness and stuff like that. And I, I like very much like that music now today. And I think I just, I had a very normal kind of boring uh, upbringing. I think it, there was nothing very exciting about it. Like we weren't the kind of family that went away on sun holidays every year. Like we couldn't afford that. Like we'd be going down to County Loud to Tain. Do you remember that place? Whenever I mention it, no one else remembers it. Do you remember it? No. Go, tell, how do you spell it even? Uh, I think it was T-A-I-N. And if there's anyone listening to this, the sorriest thing that happened ever happened to Ireland was that place shutting down because that was a child's dream. They had quasar. They had a big swimming pool with slides. They had kayaking. People were camping. They had like the best, like, was it Knickerbocker Glory? Like these big ice cream. Oh. It was like literally going away to America. But you were in mid. It was like amazing the stuff they had. But it's all gone now. It's kind of on the border of loud and mid. Okay. So it's kind of like in between, I think. But oh it was it was amazing. So like I have good memories of those kind of things, I think, like growing up like and yeah. You've mentioned the Knickerbocker glory, now that's just taking me back as well. That's one of the only memories I have of my dad actually is um was he used to bring Depending on who he was bringing in to t- to get the uh, his dole money, he you'd get a bit of a, a time off school and he'd go into town. So one time he brought me into town into O'Connell Street and he brought me to a place on O'Connell Street and this giant Knickerbocker glory. I just remember sitting there and the thing was like twice the size of my head. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't oh, make them anymore. The, really, Knickerbocker glories. I don't think they do. That this one and this goes to show you how artistic I, I am because you know the way they put loads of fruit in that. Yeah. Oh no, well, I was not having that. I was not having that. I was like not impressed. I was like, what's this? They're like, oh, that's different berries and stuff. And I was like, oh no, no. I just thought it was going to be full of ice cream. You know so what it probably was as well, was though, Aoife? It wasn't even probably berries. It was probably like uh, melon and stuff from a tin. You know the way? Oh no, that's exactly the what cherries it was. from that's a exactly tin as well. <laughs> Horrible I like, ones. Nope. I was like, yeah, I was like, nope, uh, I'll just have ice cream in a giant <laughs> glass, please. That's what I thought I was getting. <laughs> Um, yes, I'll be very, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, sort of from a working class background, as you, as you described, was going to art college or, or studying art and all the things you were into, was that, did it feel unusual? I mean, I don't want to be sort of patronising about it, but it wasn't something anyone else in your family was necessarily doing, let's say. No, well, my mum was a flower arranger, like, so she was. So she has that artistic that sl- yeah, bent, so yeah. She, and my auntie actually worked in advertising as well, or okay. works in it. I'm so not it's sure. definitely in your genes, isn't it? It's definitely, well, it's actually on my dad's side of the family as well, because I met like a few people through um, uh, doing my DNA. Very interesting stuff. We met uh, a woman who lives in LA, and I was researching my Jewish side, and uh, I was trying to find Jesus, out how we were related. if you throw that in, like, I was researching my Jewish side, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm uh, about a quarter Jewish, it's mad. I had no idea until so a couple interesting. years ago. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So my basically my granddad and my great granddad on my dad's side were Russian Jews. And I was told that they came to London in the 19, 1933 and they came together. But I think that's a lie. I think that my granddad came over on his own and my great granddad came over and met him after. 
because I can't find any documents. I can only find from 1939 and he's living in someone's house uh, and it's not his family. Like So I think he was a kinder transport kid. I'm not too sure, wow. but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out more information about it. Do they still but do the that program thing, on RTE, Who Do You Think You Are or whatever? They should get you on I think so, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh yeah, they should. Amazing. Yeah, they're just putting a shout out there because oh, it would be my dream. Shout out I, I to really... bring back Tane in me yeah, yeah, so yeah, glad. Yeah, shout out to get Aoife on Who Do You Think You Are. <laughs> Oh my God, I, no, I'd love it though because I found this woman and we started talking and uh, we end up chatting. She's like, oh, I see you're an illustrator. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I worked in animation for 30 years. And I was like, okay, she worked in animation for 30 years. She lives in Los Angeles. And like, she must be some big shit. I was thinking like, I was like, you know, to be living there for that long and working in animation. I was like, I wonder what she worked on. Well, she only went and wrote, the, or not wrote it, but worked on the pilot episode of The Rugrats. And... And she worked on Ren and Stimpy as well. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Like two shows I grew up watching. And I was like, oh my God. Like, And then she goes, and my mum worked in Warner Brothers in the 1930s on the animation shorts, like Bugs Bunny. So there's definitely some art in my family somewhere down the line, somewhere. Yeah. So it's, yeah. That's but it, it felt unusual going to college though. It did feel unusual going to college. But Why did you feel unusual? Tell me that. It didn't. It didn't feel unusual because I was oh, working class, yeah. and it, it didn't. Didn't feel unusual because of that reason. It was more so. Well, I suppose in a way it did, but it wasn't. I didn't feel weird. I felt weird because of the other people in my class. Palasha Dulig was great, but when I went to when I went to DIT, like, oh, to be honest with you, like it was, it was, it was a bit of a bit of hell to be honest because uh, because there was a few. Now looking back. Anyone I hung out with was neurodivergent. They were autistic. They were ADHD, and we were all just kind of like the leftovers because all the cool kids didn't want to have anything to do with us. And it's gas. One of them added me on LinkedIn the other day. How about no? Uh, I said to myself, I was like, no. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I remember, it was like being in secondary school. It was like being in secondary school. It was very, you know, oh, we better not talk to them. They're weirdos, kind of, you know that vibe. And it just wasn't nice. Those was nice. So you felt um, kind of um, othered. You felt like you were looked down on. You felt like you were you were mm-hmm. different, not in a good way, even in a kind of artistic community. Yeah, and I was a tattoo apprentice at the time, so I thought I was super cool. You so were. I was like, what's Aoife, going on? You were super cool. I was like, cool. what's going on? <laughs> but um, no, it was like I just didn't fit in. And then the more I realised that I didn't fit in, the more I tried, and the more I came across like an absolute weirdo. So um, I was only saying this to someone the other day in an interview that. Uh, well, we had a group project and we had to go over to someone's house and do you want to see this gaff we went to? I was like, Jesus. I was. I had to go in pretending like everything was normal because everyone else was. They were like, this is a gaff now. But I was like, this is a gaff. Like walking in. And uh, we walked in and we're talking and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I have nothing to talk to these people about. I don't know what they're interested in. I'm like, well, everyone likes sex, I'm sure. Like, you know, that's a thing that everyone's probably done in college. So I'll start talking about that. So I was like, uh, we're writing, we're writing uh, like a, a work thing for, for college. And I'm like, lads, can we hurry it up now? Because I've got some super hot sex to get to, you know, I've got it. It's just around the corner. Like, Ethan. I didn't. I, was, uh, I know, I know. I but that's, just... everyone knew I was weird. Everyone was just like, what are you talking about? But to me, I was like, this is what people in college talk about. Like, this is what I've seen in the movies. This is what I'm going to talk. I'm telling you now. So they just didn't know what was going on. And they just thought, what an absolute creep. 
Like, what a weirdo. What? <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? That's literally what happened. So felt... at the same time, I can't blame them. No, you them. can't really blame them. Because that is the kind of thing, isn't it? People still would talk about 20 years later. Do you remember we were in that house and that girl? And oh, look geez, at her. I saw her that. on the late later. I saw her somewhere there. <laughs> um, they'll be amazed. Oh. But that's one thing about you I think is really interesting. And I wonder how much of your autism it's to do with. Like you, you're very self-motivated. You've, you've gone out and done things. You have, you know, forged your path in a very unique way that's very, you know, individual to you and to the, the, the messages that you want to give. Where does that come from, do you think? That kind of ability to just get out there, whether it's Nikita or the books you're doing now. And you've made this amazing um, work life for yourself, but also your own personal life. You seem to be quite together in a w- weird way, considering everything that you're dealing with. Yeah, well, I think, well, I've, I've been in counselling the last couple of years, so I think that's, like, it made a huge difference because there was a lot of stuff I had to kind of work through, like, like with bullying in, in primary school, and then obviously with, like, losing my mum and dad as well. But I think it was just, I got a kick up the arse after the day they both passed away, to be honest with you. And when was because that again, Aoife? That was t- t- 10 years ago for my mum now, and then my dad was five years ago or six years ago. But they were quite close together, as in, like, it happened very shortly after one after the other, like, a couple of years between. And I think I just realised, it's kind of grim, I suppose, but I just realised that even though I have my partner there, I was like, I'm on my own. I, I, The only person who's got my back is me. No one else, like, and it was a very harsh kind of reality where I was like, no one else gives a fuck. No one else is there for you. You're the only person who has you. And you're the only person who's going to be able to make money to survive and live. So you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to find out a way that you can do that because you're not going back to work in Smith's because that just didn't work like. And you have to talk to people every day. So I was like, I have to do something that I enjoy. That is like, you know, I can go and work in my room. And that's why I think it worked out really well because I'm comfortable working as an illustrator. I have that space to work as it. And I think just putting my work out there, I wasn't afraid to do it because you know, the worst had already happened in my eyes, like, and I had nothing to lose, like, so there was that as well. That was a big part of it, I think, too. Had my mum not passed away, I don't think, uh, I don't think I would have uh, been doing what I'm doing now. I think I would have, but I wouldn't have given myself that push. I think with certain things like that, you do give yourself a push, whether you realise it or not, because sometimes it's like life or death and you just, you know, you have to. I think that's what it was for me, I think, at the time. And, that's very interesting what you said about no one having your back really at the end of the day. I know you've got a lovely partner um, and we all maybe have partners or we have family, but, you know, Taylor Swift in her latest album has a line that says, you're on your own kid and you always have been. I don't know if you know that song, Aoife, but I was thinking about it yesterday and it's a really, it's a really powerful thing. I mean, we come into the world on our own, we go out on our own. Like there is a certain, there's a truth to that, isn't there? And it, and when you yeah. realise that, you kind of have to, yeah, there's a certain amount of self-sufficiency and you have to kind of just go forward and not be too dependent on anyone else. But it's hard. I think so, yeah. And yeah, like people let you down as well. So it's kind of like you, you, you're not going to let yourself down, I think. So that's kind of, I think. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah, we let ourselves a, down as well, which is the worst. Well, that's true. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, just a, it's like, I think it was just my way of coping as well. Drawn and constantly drawn. It just kind of was something that kept me busy. So I think that's where it came from as well. So you have the books, but you also do amazing prints and things and people can buy your work, right? Because you've been, uh, you were quite open about that. I think I saw you on Twitter once saying, you know, uh, how difficult it is to, like just to make a living as an artist. Um, yeah, absolutely. So like, so it, give it us a little be, yeah. plug, because I'm sure there's lots of people listening to you who have fallen a bit in love with you and would like to support <laughs> your art. So what, what have you got on offer? What's in your shop at the moment? 
Okay, so my shop isn't called Eva Dooley because it's it's called Only Massive, and it's because I'm working on on this project now where I want to get other people's work into this shop. So at the moment, it's just full of all my stuff, obviously, because I have the skills there to be able to. Because you're an egomaniac, Eva. And I'm an egomaniac. Yes, that's it. It's all mine. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, I sell mugs, I sell prints, I sell sticker packs, I sell greeting cards. I'm going to be selling T-shirts and jumpers soon as well. So basically, yeah, like uh, mostly homeware and stuff for like like prints and stuff for your house. Um, I have loads of new stuff now coming um, in April and May. So there'll be loads of new things popping into the shop then. So you'll have to keep an eye on it. But, um, so is yeah, it OnlyMassive.com? No, OnlyMassive.com. Yeah, I mean, there's amazing stuff there and it's all, you know, really funny and very Dublin and great crack and beautiful colours. So um, I hope, and you're going to get other people's art into it. Is that the idea? Yeah, so I want to get other like illustrators and stuff like in. I've I've have a few women of mine who I've worked with and who I really like their stuff. Like, so I'm not going to mention any names just yet because I have to chat to them first. Yeah, but I'm excited about it because I think it'd be really cool because I, I don't think there's much kind of out there at the moment like that. There's no one kind of offering some of the services that I'm offering and that Carl's offering my partner as well. So I think what what are those yeah. services, Eva? Again, plug oh, yourself. Uh, Come uh, on. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I suppose like like the printing on the mugs, like like doing th- those kind of things as well. Um, Carl's actually gonna be opening up a merch store as well, where he's gonna be doing merch for bands and stuff. So like th- those kind of things, like and uh, and are these kind I, of bespoke uh, things? Like, say, if you wanted specific things on mugs and stuff, you can ask for them, or is that the way you? Work? Yeah. So so I'm gonna have that like in the shop as well. So if you want a custom mug, like yeah, there's gonna be those kind of things. Um, I also have this thing. You can't actually see it, but it's up here. It's one of the new prints. Can you see it? It's this up here, so it's like this thing here, and it says uh, up the north side, and it's like a Dublin 17 sign. So it's like one of the, you know the signs, the blue signs you see at the end of walls and stuff? Yeah. So I've done one of them up, and I'm going to have an up the north side one and up the south side one, okay. and change the area code so to where you're well, from. Well, I, so I want a North Strand one of them. Stuff. I'm putting in an order for one from Dublin okay. 3, okay? <laughs> yeah, so I put the, the number in as well, because I've got 17 there for Kulak, so... Yeah. Ah, so you put so your that's, record, that's brilliant. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm going to have it on the site. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have it on the site so people can put their own air code in. So it's like, yeah, exactly. So it's custom. So, and what um, else are you working on then? Is there any more books in the pipeline or are you just busy promoting um, this one? I'm, I'm busy promoting this one, but um, I'm hoping that there'll be more. I'm uh, in the, the middle of kind of uh, working out some ideas, but um, I think that the publisher is, is like dying to work on more. So, so right. So uh, I'm in the idea stage now. And I'm actually writing for um, a kid's animation. But I'm not going to say which because obviously it's very, you know, on the DL at the moment. So I'm writing for another show now, which is really exciting. I've never done it like that before. So that's really cool. And yeah, it's just really working on the shop then and stuff like that. Like and um, other illustration kind of jobs that are coming in. But also trying to make sure that I'm not taking on too much either to start the year because... Yeah, I end up running away myself then. Okay, and, and that's part of something you have to manage yourself just to make sure you don't say yes to too many things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got I've got very used to saying no now, which is great because I just for a long time I was just like, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, why did I do that? Why? Um, so now I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting better at saying no and taking on the things that I really want to do as well, which I think is important because I've only got such a short time here. I want to be doing the things that I love and things that I find fun, you know. So Learning to say yeah. no is very, very liberating, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it comes with like your uh, confidence in yourself as well and being able to be like, no. I think it's, some people find it blunt as well now, but I think I'm just kind of, I'm not even masking anymore. I'm just very, just the way I am now. So 
I don't know how people take that, but it's just, it's easier for me. So before you go, I'm looking at all your lovely tattoos on your arm. And you mentioned earlier that you're a tattoo. You were a tattoo apprentice earlier in another life. And I noticed all the body art on, on your there. How important is that for you? Because some people have very dim view of tattoos and they think it's not good and they don't like them. But it's a big expression for you, is it? I love tattoos. It's, a, it's art. Like, that's what it is to me. Um, I, I've got like a whole sleeve going down my leg as well. See if I can show you now. Oh, uh, wow. I wish you could I've see this, everyone. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, I've got, uh, yeah. So I'm, I have loads on the other side as well. I've got a little Nike runner. But like, the thing and people asking, oh, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. I just want it. I just like it. That's it. Life is short. But uh, a lot of people don't like them. Yeah. I, I, uh, when I went over to visit my auntie and uncle there from Bournemouth, yeah, well, they're, they're like, my uncle's from Scotland and my auntie's from London, but they live in Bournemouth. And just the looks I was getting wrote in. There was like, you know, old women hitting their husband, like tapping them on the shoulder, going, look, look at this. And then he'd look over and he'd start shaking his head. And it's very funny, people's views, and like that they're still kind of like, you know, very much like that. But I just think it's an expression of art. Like, I think that's what it is. I love it. I've got about probably 25 now, I think. And Aoife, the thing you always hear is, but uh, what will they be like when they're in the nursing home at 90 with all their, you know, will they be regretting it? But I don't think you're going to be regretting it, are you? No, I'm going to look fucking sexy. That's what I'm going to look like. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what, like, like, you won't be even able to see the sagginess. It will just be art. Like, you know, if anything. And the best thing about it as well, someone else told me this, uh, you know, cannibals, they don't like tattoos. They don't taste good, so I'm safe. Oh, Aoife, that is the best moment to end this conversation on. Hilarious. <laughs> That's brilliant. Listen, um, you're such a wonderful person and it's been an absolute joy to talk to you and I hope everyone goes and buys the book. For anyone in their lives who's feeling a bit different or a bit out and especially um, maybe teenagers who aren't fitting in at school and all of that, I think it's it's a brilliant way to help people understand that they're not alone, really. And I think that's your message. Yeah. Don't feel alone, that there's always other people that you can connect with and that are like you and that you can find your tribe in a way because you obviously have. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's it, like, there's loads of us out here. I think that's the kind of thing, you feel on your own, you don't know, but then when you know, you're like, oh, there's actually so many people like me. So I think it's, yeah, it's about not feeling alone, I think, as well, because a lot of people do who feel different. So, yeah, I think it's very important for kids as well, because, yeah, kids need to, um, they need to kind of, like, I don't know, I just I just hate, like, seeing kids, like, where they're, like, being left on their own and all. Like, I, I just... I want them to know that there's someone out there like them and it's not all bad. So that's kind of like the main reason I think I do what I'm doing as well. And thanks thanks for what you do as well, because I was just looking there, James McLean, the footballer, uh, sort of talked about his autism diagnosis recently. And I think someone like him talking about it as as yourself as well is really helpful just for people to understand more. Like, is, do you think that we need to have more people in prominent positions kind of explaining what they're going through and it, and it helps people? Yeah, absolutely. Like even like seeing is it uh, Christine McGuinness? I thought that was I thought it, I thought it was brilliant when she came out and said it because she's got I think three kids. But what I thought was interesting about Christine is you wouldn't typically identify someone who looks like Christine who's like a model as being on the spectrum, and that just goes to show you that everyone on the spectrum is so different, and it's a perfect example of it. And uh, the fact that she didn't know for years either, so it's kind of. It's like, yeah, it's it's a very funny one. The point is, the more that uh, we're talking about it and opening it up about all sorts of people's experiences, it just helps everyone, really. It's more knowledge around it. Yeah, it's more knowledge around it and people are kind of more aware of it. And less stigma, basically. Less less stigma. 
Exactly. That's calling people weirdos, I think, or maybe uh, embracing the word weirdo and being proud of it. Is the thing. I think, yeah, no, I like I like being weird now. I, I think I embrace it more than I ever did. I think uh, when I was a teenager, probably I, I, I liked it too. But I think I think that's what I do in my books as well. Is letting kids know that's okay to be weird. That I'm weird too. Even at the lunch, I uh, was talking to a little kid, and he was like, "I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous." Like talking to me, and I was like, "Why are you nervous? You're grand." And we were talking and I think he was afraid to portray himself in a certain way. I think he was afraid of making a fool of himself. So I just started making a fool of myself and he completely calmed down then. So it's kind of like, you know, I think it's just nice to kind of like for kids to say that like there's other people like them and it's okay to make mistakes and be silly and, you know, that kind of thing. Brilliant. Well, we wish you the best of luck with everything that you're doing, especially the shop. I'm going to give it another shout out. It's onlymassive.com and there's incredible things there that you can buy. Uh, support Aoife's art and get some lovely stuff for your house as well um, it's been great talking to you as always Aoife so uh, too, take okay. care of yourself and talk to you again soon I hope thank you that was the brilliant Aoife Dooley there and her new book is called Frankie's World 2 if you have any comments on what you've heard we're on social at IT Women's Podcast we're on email thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com the podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan Aideen Finnegan and me Roisin Ingle with JJ Vernon on sound That's it from me. Mind yourselves and I'll talk to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.